This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions because it's time to dish the dirt. On The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Good morning, and welcome to The Garden Show. Hey, I know I don't sound like Frank, and Frank always starts The Garden Show, but today, for today, I'm going to be Frank, which is impossible, but I'm going to try and be Frank, and sitting to my left, where normally I sit to Frank's left, I have been joined by Sean James. Good morning. Good morning. Sean's been an old friend of the show. He's been here before. He's the principal at Fern Ridge Landscaping, and he tells me he's got a bunch of other things up his sleeve besides (laughs) just doing amazing garden design and installation. So we'll get into some of that moving forward. But in the meantime, the phone numbers, because we want to hear from you. You've got a problem. You've got a success story. You've got tips and tricks and ideas that you want to share with everybody out there, including Sean and myself. Please give us a call. Local number is 416-360-0740. And, of course, long distance is one 866 740 Before I say another word, hi, Mom. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, are you listening? My mother promised me she was going to listen today. So, hello. Hope you're out there. My mother's my original inspiration for horticulture because my mother is just an amazing person with plants. You were saying that you, uh, Sean was sharing with me the fact that he got an orchid last year, and I was there when he was, he <laughs> won it at, a, at an event, and he said it hasn't stopped blooming since. And, it's remarkable, actually. Well, my mom's like that, eh? She had African violets that bloom nonstop. <laughs> Orchids, hibiscus, whatever, you know, fl- she loved flowering plants. So mm-hmm. azaleas, everything just bloomed nonstop. So, yeah, she's very, just really good common sense kind of gardener. No formal training, but just, you know, good. Some people just... Formal no. training is over, overrated. Well, except for those of us that have it. <laughs> no, kidding. But, uh, hey, I'm a teacher. You've been doing some teaching, you said. I love teaching. I think well. it's probably my single favorite thing. I teach the horticultural apprenticeship program at Mohawk, and I teach courses at Landscape Ontario and Milton. Yeah. And well, there's formal training. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. Um, and, I, you know, same with all the public speaking. That's mm-hmm. teaching as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, for garden clubs and such. And I just have such a blast doing it. It's such fun. I agree. I really like it. Because, I mean, not only can you share your passion, but you can uh, exactly, really turn yeah. others on who might already have interest, but then they'll, you know, often just get, you know, I, I just like the idea of helping people be successful. And it insists that you're always learning as well, <laughs> because people ask questions that you may not know the answer True. to. And so you get to look stuff up and the, right. the information should go both ways, in yeah. my opinion. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. I even found that in retail. Sometimes I would have customers that would ask really good questions. And that's way back before the internet, right? That's when it was like, okay, I've got my, I'll check my textbooks at home tonight and I'll call you tomorrow <laughs> kind of thing. There was none of this fast looking things up. Mm-hmm. But yeah, 
Yeah, you'd haul textbooks into into the the store, and you'd have them there for those those every now and then a trick question. Like, yeah. oh, I don't know the answer. You got to watch the internet, though. There's a lot of uh, myths and such out there. You've noticed, yeah, have I you? I've noticed. This. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I've been the victim of it too. I'm embarrassed to say. Oh, really? A friend Were of you? mine posted about uh, bell peppers and how you can tell the male from the female and the ones that have the seeds and the ones that don't. And they have the, it's, it said that the, the females have four bumps and more seeds and the males have three bumps and no seeds. And I was silly enough to post <laughs> it. That. And this, of course, I got stomped all over, which is great. I mean, I'd rather people told me than not. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, that's, that's a myth. That's no such thing. <laughs> well, that doesn't make sense because no, there not. is no such thing as male peppers or yeah, female if peppers. There were, and even if there were the males wouldn't have fruit, That's a.k.a. Right. peppers. That's right, because so. what is a pepper other than a fruit? And, of course, the fruit goes on the female. Males don't have ovaries. No, so. they don't. <laughs> Hermaphrodites. Uh, well, there you go. All right, well, you see. So uh, for those of you that are enjoying and want to learn more about uh, Fern Ridge Landscaping, the website is www.fernridgelandscaping.com. Okay, Sebastian, I'm going to need your help here. Do we do a break now? No, we do a break at the 20, right? Oh, he's like, what? Okay. Uh, okay. Greater Toronto Water Gardeners. <clears throat> they are holding a meeting tomorrow at the Banbury Community Centre, 120 Banbury Road in North York. Membership is only $25 for the family or $20 for a single. Meet at 1230 tomorrow for potluck. Finger foods are welcome. The speaker is Max Squarna. He's a naturalist photographer speaking about photography in the garden. Neat. Speaking about photography in the garden, the Great Backyard Bird Count was on last week, and their website is so great because there's so many great photos of birds. Oh, neat. I'm such a sucker for birds. <laughs> Did you know that this year, four days, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, last weekend, over, where is it, um, total individual birds counted over 25 million. Oh, my goodness gracious. Yeah. Uh, across over the, all over the world. Checklists submitted, 163,000. Total species observed, 6,000. And like I say, total individual birds counted over 25 million. And when I looked back on my notes, in 2011, so a mere six years ago, mm-hmm. it was 11 million birds that were counted. Wow. So the count has more than doubled. So obviously the you know interest in... And, uh, and citizen science exactly. is just generally so cool. Like yeah. We're getting so much data, things people never knew. Someone put a, a handicam on their uh, a birdhouse mm-hmm. and a wren was coming in and every time the wren landed, the camera would take a picture yeah. and he went through and counted what was in the bird's mouth oh, and wow. so now we know that 50% of a wren's diet are spiders and I'm not a big spider fan so now I like yeah, wren's yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> come on in wren's anytime <laughs> yeah no no citizen science is one of the best ways to get big information mm-hmm. uh, and very inexpensively obviously yeah. and done by hobbyists, passionate mm-hmm. people who might not necessarily, like we said, have that those academic credentials, yeah. but truly are interested and, and put the effort into well, learning more. It's always better to love what you do. Yeah, exactly. You know, that's, it doesn't matter how you did in school, mm-hmm. whether you have, you know, let, let's say you went to the Niagara Park School for Gardening. Mm-hmm. If you love it, then you'll go way beyond that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if if you if it's just a job, then you, you, you're done when you graduate and you're probably going to go downhill as knowledge changes. Yeah, yeah. So it's all a question of staying fresh and that, that means that you have to Enjoy it. Yeah. Well, I, I always love the idea of the idea that, you know, you've worked, you've been, there you are well into, the, you know, years of even looking at retirement and saying, you know what, I've never even worked a day in my life. You mm-hmm. know, it's yeah. never been yeah. work. It's always yeah, exactly. just been what I love doing. <laughs> so, hey, and I got paid along the way to do it. Doesn't get much better than that. No, it's right? true. 
Um, all right. So let me say the numbers one more time. 416-360-0740. Long distance, one 740 uh, We have on the line... Josephine calling from Pickering. She is a, a favorite of the program. She, she calls quite often, and she loves to be first in line. So good for you, Josephine. And good morning. Welcome to the show. Good morning, Charlie. How are you? Excellent. How are you? I'm not bad. You've got the, uh, the major seat today, have you? <laughs> I do. This is so much responsibility. I have to run the microphones. <laughs> uh-huh. Okay. I've got an advanced question for you. Mm-hmm. It has to do with delphiniums. Mm-hmm. I can grow roses, I can grow uh, peonies, I can grow sedums, and uh, those promiscuous plants, the, um, you know, the columbines of all kinds. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I can't grow delphiniums. What's wrong? You and me both, Josephine. Okay, you know what? It's because you're probably growing the wrong kind of delphinium. It doesn't matter what kind it is. Uh, my mom had a, a green thumb where that was concerned. She had the Black Knight, the Genevieve, and the whole, you know, Lancelot, the whole trio. Yeah. But me, I get them, and they die. What's your it's soil like? The ground. Do you have uh, clay soil or sandy soil? Yeah, How? what kind of soil out in Pickering? Oh, it's clay out here. I have the same problem. I, I'm in Milton, and I have Milton clay. And I think that it's a lack of drainage around the crowns. I think they don't like the, the poor drainage that clay has. So I've got to try. It's on my list of things to do to try planting them on a slope and maybe plant them in a little bit of a raised area so that the water will drain away. Yeah, but where I'm planting them, there is no, uh, you know, it's not really a watery um, wet area. It doesn't have to be. It's the holding of the moisture that, that uh, yeah. tends to happen with clay. and lack of clay. oxygen that's in clay. Well, you know, I'm in serious clay in mm-hmm. Richmond Hill. And I, what I know, do know about the delphiniums I've grown, which is the exact same hybrids you were referring to, Josephine, they don't last very long. They are not long-lived perennials. You no. know, peonies are famous for, you know, 150 years later. They're still growing. They're gorgeous. Uh, but delphiniums, traditionally, you're lucky to get three or four years out of them. They're borderline hardy, number one. They tend to be a zone five plant. For those of us that are north of the 401, it's uh, cooler up, up where we are. But it's also, those are English hybrids, those Russell hybrids. And I'm just looking... Magic Fountains is good. It's a dwarf, and I've had a bit of luck with that. Which one is it? Uh, it's called Magic Fountains, and it's a series of delphiniums. So there's a lot of different colors in it. If you buy the seeds, you sort of get a mix, or you can... Some uh, nurseries will have them separated out by color after they bloom. Yeah, I've never seen them in the nursery. I've only seen the general ones, like Genevieve and Lancelot mm-hmm. and, you know... Uh, White Knight and the yeah. whole bit. Yeah, um, yeah. That's I think that's the Pacific Giant series, and they're they're beautiful if you can get them going. But they're also a little more maintenance because you have to stake them. Whereas these uh, Magic Fountains are dwarf, mm-hmm. and it never hurts to ask your garden center. You know, they they bring things in if people are interested. Um, but uh, if you ask, then they then they might be inclined to uh, to give it a shot for you. Well, I'll have to take a t- uh, ride out to Vandermeer's and ask them. <laughs> there you well, go. And you know what's a, it's a bit of a ride, Josephine, is to Caledon. There's a lovely garden center called. Plant Paradise Country Gardens. Right. Plant Paradise Country Gardens. Uh, Lorraine Roberts runs it and has lovely show gardens around her her mm. garden center. 
And she is a severe delphinium grower. She grows amazing delphiniums, and they're not the traditional Russell hybrids. Uh-huh. Right. They I are. Lupins, I think. Yeah. Well, I'm just looking here. See, she's got <clears throat> delphinium blue lace. It's the new millennium series. Uh, yeah. She's got blue lace, cobalt dreams. That just sounds lovely. Dwarf stars, innocence. And Morning Lights hmm. and Purple Passion. So those are all names within the New Millennium right. series. Okay. And she has phenomenal show gardens. Okay. So now, lighting, as, I, as I've told you before, my garden pretty well faces south. Mm, perfect. Except the back of the house where I have the peonies and the sedums and different other uh, plants that grow there. But the thing is this. When the sun is full, it's towards the back of the, at the end of the yard, and it's full sun. Good. Now, do they like full sun they sure or do. shade Definitely. or what? No, full sun. full sun. Full sun, well-drained, fertile soil. And like I say, you could always go out and visit uh, Plant Paradise Country Gardens in Caledon uh, okay. on Humber Station Road, 16258 Humber Station Road, or give Lorraine a call. She might mail plants for all I know if I'll it's too to far to go. have to give her a call because yeah. with me being pickering, yeah, don't get out that way very often. Yeah. But certainly uh, give them a call. Just, you know, give, look them up on the web or, or you know, she's uh, very uh, very accessible and she knows her delphiniums. And the new Millennium Series are, are a very good point. I'll have to give them a shot. Yeah. I'd actually, I'm ready to jump the gun. I'm sick and tired of winter. I know. It's amazing out there <laughs> you know, right I've now. had it with amaryllis and poinsettias and all that <laughs> kind of stuff. I hear you. Okay, then, well, listen, have a good weekend, and take care. Thanks for calling. You too. So, no, it's absolutely true. What a crazy bit of weather we're having. Oh, my goodness. We've got snowdrops in our garden. The helleborus are coming up. My trembling aspen has the catkins forming on it. No. Really? Yep. I had bugs in the garden crawling around on Sunday. What? Really? Yep. So you, bugs. you were out there crawling around seeing them, I obviously. Was, yes, I, you can't keep me inside. With so you're not, isn't it a bit <laughs> soggy to be out in your garden? Well, you, you know, you've got a good point because you're going to compact the soil a little bit, and that's something that you generally want to avoid. Excuse me, to avoid, yeah. 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 Um, but uh, I also uh, mulch everything into the garden. I, I, in the spring, I cut everything down to about six inches, so I leave the stems for the bees to nest in, which is a, a new kind of cool idea. Yeah. Yeah. I mulch it up with my battery mower, uh, and we're bullfrog-powered, so it's zero-carbon footprint, and then I put it right back on the garden. Mm-hmm. So um, that means that all the worms and so on are stirring up the soil, yeah. so that, that keeps it nice and fluffy for me. That's right. I don't do any digging. The mm-hmm. worms do all the work in my soil. Well, and that's the... <laughs> That's the latest uh, sort of movement in mm. soil, and we're, we're learning about the soil food web and all the beneficial mycorrhiza. Don't even till it at all. And if you're planting a new plant, don't amend the soil uh, when you're planting either. They, the new study out last year said that it, it won't do any good and it may hurt the plant. True. And now, obviously, in a new subdivision, the soil's dead yeah, anyway, right. so that, all bets are off. But. Challenge. <laughs> yeah, but established soil, you're absolutely mm-hmm. right. So I don't want to cut you off, but we do have to go for a quick break, absolutely. and we will be right back after this. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. All right. I'm here with Sean James. Hey, Sean. How are you doing? I'm great. Are you having fun so far? I always have fun. Okay, good. Well, you know, we don't have... This show goes very quickly, so we better get <laughs> right back to our callers. We've got Barb on the line calling from Ancaster. Hi, Barb. Good morning, uh, Charlie. Good morning. 
Uh, great show as usual. Uh, just a quick question. Is it too early to put the corn gluten in because of all the uh, nice spring weather we're having right now? And is that for your lawn, you're thinking? Yes. Mm-hmm. I would wait. Um, I, I Well, you're not... The real thing that you're trying to do is stop the germination of the weeds. Right. Yes, exactly. Um, so okay, so I the would... rule of thumb with corn gluten is it should go on right around the time the forsythia is blooming. So that's the yellow flowering oh, shrub. okay. Now, if you're, it, particularly if you're on a slope of any kind, I would not put it on now for fear that it's going to wash away in the rain. No, mm. we're not on a slope. But if it's really flat, you know, we just don't know what's going to happen with this spring. I anticipate more cold weather coming. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I was wondering I mean, who knows, about, but... I was wondering about that so yeah. I should wait then for a little I would probably wait do you, if there's any forsythia in your neighborhood or magnolias in your neighborhood or on your right. property as soon as you start to see a little bit of color from them mm-hmm. get the corn gluten out and that could be next week because the weather being what it is the <laughs> I seeds was, I will turn that yes the yeah. way things are going it's, yeah. it's amazing really but we'll take it for sure yeah okay that's great then I will uh, do that because I can tell you that we put it on last year and it does work okay Good for you, yeah. If you mm-hmm. put it on at the right time, and like Sean said, it's going to stop seeds from germinating. Absolutely. And it's the crabgrass seeds and the dandelion seeds that oh. we really want to control. It's yeah. also got nitrogen in it, so it's a True. big fertilizer Does that breaks feeding. down, too. Yeah, uh, yeah it's good. And okay, thank you so much. Thanks for that, Barb. And you know what? The one addendum, don't be putting corn gluten down and then thinking that you can reseed your lawn. True. Because corn gluten doesn't oh, no. know. <laughs> no, absolutely not. It, no, it's, you can't do that for it, a while. Yeah, it stops all seeds from germinating. So you get a six-week window after applying corn gluten before you do any overseeding or top dressing. So good question. Thanks for it. And let's see. We've got Lorraine calling from Scarborough. Good morning. Oh, we had Lorraine, it sounds like. Okay. Lorraine's not there, it doesn't sound like. Alrighty, let's go and see. We've got Helen on the line from Toronto. Good morning. Good morning, Helen. Good morning. Good morning. I was wondering, um, I have fertilizer, and when can I start putting it on? The one I have is 28010, oh. Iron Plus. Okay. okay. So that's like for your lawn. Lawn food, yeah. yeah. Right. Um, I was always taught that if you must fertilize, if your lawn needs fertility, extra fertility, um, then ideally you actually wait till mid-June to prolong that spring flush of growth and then apply it again uh, in, in late summer to kickstart the fall flush of growth. The grass is going to go like mad anyway. Um, in the spring. Yeah, in the spring. So you're going to get more top growth and less root growth. But depending, did that? you use a fall fertilizer last fall, last autumn? Yeah, but okay. I, yeah. Uh, I put on too much before. But right now, my front yard faces north, mm-hmm. so I don't get much sun mm-hmm. late, right? So it gets a bit and sparse. right now, it's muddy, and the grass looks awful. It looks like half dead. But it, that's normal. It Back might of, be a good idea to, uh, to overseed with uh, Chewing's fescue or red fescue. Um, they're more shade-tolerant types of grass, and then you can put down a, maybe a half an inch of compost on top of the seed to help it germinate and to sort of shelter it. And that's going to give you a thicker lawn in the shade than some of your more traditional turf-type grasses. Right. So a red fescue seed, which you can get at any good garden mm-hmm. center. Yep. Or even yep. A home. red fescue? Fescue. F-E-S-C-U-E. F-E-S-C-U-E. Yeah. Yeah, good idea. And that way, because what I find with those shady lawns is they look great in the spring, Mm. and then it gets hot, and of course the leaves come out on the trees, and the shade gets deeper and deeper. By late mid-July, late July, 
we're into sparse, mm -hmm. crummy-looking lawn again. And so people get so frustrated because it looks <laughs> great in the spring and then it looks so, so horrible midsummer. Well, you know what? We fight so much to keep grass alive in the shade. Mm -hmm. There's so many great ground covers for the areas that it's, you're really putting up a fight. Uh, just switch it over to you know something like big root geranium. Um, there's there's all kinds of great ground covers. The Canadian um, Canada wild ginger is mm -hmm. also a lovely thing. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and mix it up a bit so that you don't that have just grow underneath a tree. Oh yeah, oh, the, yeah. the big root geranium will grow under a deck if you water it to get it started. <laughs> um, that's the trick is is to because it's not just shade. It's it's the drought that's under a tree yeah, um, right. so it's it's watering things to get them started uh, things you know and that's true of all drought tolerant plants uh, you've got to give them more care ironically for the first year but then after that it's gravy okay one more quick question I have a greenhouse and I have an orange tree there mm. and it came from a seed it's been there three or four years and a few years I got oranges are getting bigger. Oh, wow. Right now it is full of flowers. And do I take off some of them because there's too many of them on there? Oh, I wouldn't. No, I'd, I'd, I might take off some of the fruit if yeah. the fruit was crowded. But you won't get inside, especially, you won't get fantastic uh, pollinating. Uh, you could actually take a Q-tip if you want to get really fancy and sort of go pollinating from flower to flower. Pretend yeah, you're a bee. Pretend you're a bee, yeah. exactly. <laughs> or just well, a little paintbrush. I yeah. flowers, and I did get fruit on it yep. the last couple yep. of years, and it's getting bigger. The plant is pretty big. It's in a big, big pot. I take it outside in mm -hmm. the good weather, but I keep it more in the shade because it doesn't like too much sun. That's sure. great. No, and they're so fragrant. So mm. enjoy the flowers. But, yeah, if the fruit gets too much, too overbearing mm -hmm. and uh, going to break some branches, then you'll do some thinning on the fruit, I would suggest, for yeah. sure. Thanks, Helen. Um, all right. I hate to say this, but I, we've been chitter-chattering too much. So we're going to do another little short break. We aren't going anywhere. Stay tuned. Be right back. <laughs> Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Hey, are you tweeting something as I'm as we're sitting here? I was not yet, no. I, but I do tend to do that. <laughs> I know. That's what I thought. You're looking at your phone, pressing buttons. All right, this is Sean James, social media guru, man. He's all <laughs> over this, the Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. There's so much good information. You yeah. know, there's, there's, I get the newest, latest studies on, on Twitter. Um, and, and, you know, people can reach out to me with questions mm -hmm. and so on, which is great, at, at Sean Fernridge. Mm -hmm. And we, you know, I, I'm finding out all these new things all the time. And True. it's what makes my world. Around. Well, it's all from all over the world, too, mm -hmm. which, yeah. is, which yeah. is very cool. So tell you what, let's uh, speak with Susan in Unionville, and then I'd like you to tell us a little bit about fusion gardening, oh, which is one of the sort of latest trendy techniques uh, within garden design. And beautiful. Yes, not to mention. So uh, let's say hello to Susan. How are you? I'm fine, thanks. How are you? Excellent. What's Good. going on? I'm calling for a quick question. I've had... Um, an hibiscus plant for it'll be 11 years old now, and it did well, it does well every year. This time of year, it's quite spindly and um, starting to get some little yellow leaves. The leaves are getting smaller, and it's. Um, I just wonder if it's time to cut it back. When was the last time you gave it a new pot with new soil? Um, I think last spring. Oh, really? So you did a transplanting then? Yes. Yellow leaves on the at towards the bottom of the plant or the top of the plant? Um, to more toward the top. Oh, okay. Time to look really, really, really closely for uh, 
any kind of webbing or any kind of insects on the plant? Yeah, there is some. I've been spraying it. I think it has aphids. I've been spraying it with this um, um, Schultz's um, insecticide, and I, I was spraying it with soap and water. And I have a smaller one, too, and I can't seem to get rid of them. I don't know why. Um, well, it's the time of year. Yeah. Winter is very tough on tropical plants in our homes. It hot, is. Hot, dry furnaces, blowing hot, dry air is right. ex- not a happy thing for plants that are really evolved for mm-hmm. much more humid conditions. Right. So, there Sean, are a couple of things you can do. Sean has a couple of suggestions. <laughs> I know. I can tell. One of them's a bit odd. Um, <laughs> okay. I've, I have been known to take my plants into the shower with me um, okay. and well, wash off. Too big. It's um, okay. Yeah. Okay. Huge. <laughs> well, cutting it back isn't, isn't the worst idea. Um, mm. Certainly that'll cut the populations. Uh, the other idea, um, there's a company called Natural Insect Control down in uh, Stevensville, and they have predatory spider mites that you can buy, and weirdly enough, they mail them to you, which is an odd concept. They're more um, eggs, though, that you're mailing to you. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and, and then you sort of sprinkle them around. It comes as vermiculite, uh, okay. if memory serves, right. and then you sort of sprinkle or them around bath, on the or plant. Or bath it. What's that? Ba- yeah, or, bathe. Or put it in the bathtub. Ba- yeah. Well, bathing it. And remember, soap Shower. and yeah. water, not yeah. detergent yes. and water. Because yes. okay. you will not kill insects right. and with should detergent. I cut it, should I cut it back? I would. We're at that time of year, the yeah. real flush of growth. It's just going to get bigger, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's the time yeah. to cut it back, particularly vigorous hibiscus, uh, as we're on the cusp of March, because mm-hmm. this is really the time. Feel free to cut it back by a full third. Okay. And, and as all Sean right. points out, take all those cuttings, bag them, yeah. and off the property, because there's likely insects on all those mm-hmm. bits you're cutting off. Don't keep any of them. Okay. okay. All right. Thank you very much. Thanks for your call. All right. Tell us. Give, give, oh, me, give wow. me fusion gardening in a nutshell in a nut- because, oh, because nut- you know, we nutshells. still have callers so, and you've got mere, <laughs> mere minutes. So fusion gardening is a, a fairly new concept. They realized that people didn't really like eco-friendly gardenings. They, they thought that... They, it sounds they, weird. Yeah, they, they thought it wasn't going to be pretty, but there's not, no reason for that. So what they're trying to do is graft beautiful plants, drought-tolerant plants, native plants um, into your garden so you need less water and less care, and then mix in with that things like rain gardening, uh, other eco-friendly techniques so that you're doing as much good on your property as possible, holding water on your property, benefiting the pollinators and, and enhancing biodiversity, and and first and foremost, making it beautiful. If, mm-hmm. you know, just picking the plants for your soil, mm-hmm. especially the plants that would grow in, in your neighborhood, and there's yeah, some beautiful varieties out there now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, so, you know, uh, using things like some of the ornamental goldenrods, which of course don't cause allergies, um, bee balm, monarda, mm-hmm. uh, is great. Uh, um, there's there's so many fantastic, super, super drought-tolerant plants. Yeah. Uh, the shrubby potentilla is another mm-hmm. good one. And that's good for rain gardens as well, mm-hmm. uh, as is um, blue flag iris. And, and really mixing textures as well. Sure. Uh, the standard design rules, you yeah, know, yeah. but bold, feathery, and grassy. Yeah. Um, and because that's going to make or break your garden. The flowers right. come and go, but yeah. texture is important. Yeah, form. Mm-hmm. Form and texture. Yeah. But really cutting water use mm-hmm. and yep. holding water on your property mm-hmm. uh, and picking plants that can, can tolerate that. And there's some great information. Uh, and lowering peel. your maintenance requirements. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Which it is doesn't really have to be big. high maintenance. It's yeah. the other way around. So, yeah, so Peel Region has a lot of information on that. They do. Um, so if you Googled Peel Region Fusion Garden. Yeah, yep. exactly. Okay. Yeah. I like the term Fusion Garden just because you know, when you talk about eco-friendly gardening, to me that's kind of a non-secular. Like isn't all gardening <laughs> eco-friendly? Well, it's better or worse, right? Yeah, you know, right, you yeah. can do some great things. Mm. You can be neutral or do some good. Any, Yeah, any gardening is good. Yeah. Um, but, you, you know, if you choose 
uh, Boxwood versus um, uh, Ilex Glaber, which is uh, Inkberry Holly. Mm-hmm. You know, that's going to do more for the environment uh, if you're choosing. Or it's more likely to thrive and require less care. Yes, true, definitely. And also often have less diseases because the stuff that we use over and over again, we're now finding diseases showing up on it. Hosta mm-hmm. virus X mm-hmm. and daylily rust. And so switching too. it up a bunch. Yeah, yeah, Boxwood blight. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, no, really, really great opportunities to do beautiful things. And, and they have plant lists available. Now, it um, seems to me uh, York region is part of that as well. Yes, they are. So yep, Peel, yep. York, and I think, I think Durham jumped on that. Possibly. And I think uh, Toronto Region Conservation Authority yeah. and, and Credit Valley Conservation Authority So they're Authority all also. supporting mm-hmm. homeowners within their, their borders yep. to get involved, to learn more, to attend workshops. Mm-hmm. Because many of them I've do have. I've given some have, of those workshops. Yeah, and they're free. There's not, <laughs> yeah. I mean, hopefully you don't do them for free, but the attendees <laughs> do them, you know, attend yeah. for free. Yeah. So lots to learn and lots of good opportunities. And you don't have to go very far mm-hmm. to, to learn more. The wonderful, the wonderful thing about gardening is we'll never be bored. No. You know? It's always, always something to learn. Cool stuff to learn. Yeah. <laughs> no question. Yeah. Excellent. Thank you, Sean. All right. Nice night, Shell. And Sebastian's giving me the high five. And I'm saying, go, Sebastian. We'll be right back. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. And here we are. And no, it's not terrifying. I know Sean was just going, I thought this this whole thing would be quite scary, but it's not at all. Let's say hello to Sandra, who's calling from South Etobicoke. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, Charlie and Sean. Um, I have a question. It's regarding a clematis. It's called Summer Snow. Ah, lovely. And it's about 20 years old. One and of my the favorites. problem is that in one of those windstorms, uh, the panel of my fence mm-hmm. where it's climbing has shifted. So somebody's going to have to come in early spring, uh, take the panel out, mm-hmm. and re-put yeah, a new one in. Yeah. Um, my question is, this clematis has a trunk on it that's got to be like two inches in diameter. Wow. It's huge. Um, how much can I cut it back? Because normally I just cut back the green to the main stem or trunk mm-hmm. um, and I never cut that and of course that is growing through the trellis and a bit through the fence I'm a big fan of a process called coppicing which works on multi-stem deciduous shrubs and certain vines like clematis okay. and it sounds very brutal but it's a process cutting the whole thing right to the ground um, so you can yes. use it on willows and dogwoods and wagila and forsythia and all sorts of different things um, nine bark and so on, but it does work on clematis. Uh, you just have to be brutal, right to the ground. An inch isn't short enough, half an inch isn't short enough, just nothing but a circle left when you're done. You and, mean literally uh, ground pre- level? Absolutely. Pretty much the day that you're sure I lied to you is the day that it'll come back. <laughs> well, it's all, it, it, it doesn't start straight away. It's, it's a little bit slow in, in yeah. starting, and then once it gets going, it's... It's a, it's a beautiful clematis. And oh, it blooms it forever with its little tiny... Flowers, yeah. So when do we do that brutal pruning? Yeah. Very good question. Because um, well, you don't you could do that actually, just any time. No, it's early, early spring. Uh, I would, I would say middle or end of March. Mm-hmm. Uh, that way you get the best regrowth. Mm-hmm. That's a very, very important question because it's all about timing. Yes, do that um, in July and you'll kill it. Yes, absolutely. You can yeah. do spirea. You can do um, privet hedges. Definitely privet. Um, oh. Although privet, you can rejuvenate by cutting it back by however much you want, and it'll yeah. come back again. Um, but uh, also elderberry. 
favorite. Like mm -hmm. most of the deciduous, non-variegated mm -hmm. multi-stem shrubs. I wouldn't do lilac because you just get powdery mildew leaves forever, but it works great on clematis yeah. for completely rejuvenating. But then you've got to really pay attention to get it back up in the trellis. Right, to train it back up. Mm -hmm. Right, so you're it's right at the back of the perennial bed. So <laughs> I've got a lot of other plants in front of it because that is my backdrop. I might put in a couple of stepping stones to get back there. That's right, and to get the I workers back there. The mm -hmm. grew over them. <laughs> yeah, well, no, but the, you want the workers to fix the mm -hmm. fence, and you well, want to minimize damage. Yeah. Uh, the person that's going to be working there is not always the most careful about plants. I teach so people to step, pick something they recognize and step right next to it. They don't know what to step on. They don't know what not to, so they just step on everything. But if you show them that they can step right next to something that looks real, mm -hmm. then they can walk through the garden with impunity. Well, I might just put the stepping stones there, that and if I do lot. it yeah. mid-March, hopefully that's before yeah. he, he has to remove the panel. But I've certainly never cut it back. Instead of panels and, and lattice and so on, I often use just wires, uh, a couple of screws with a wire in between them, and put a whole bunch of wires on the fence that way. So a lot of the vines, um, they, they have little tendrils, and yeah. that lets them grip better. Yeah, hold on. Yeah, but you still need that back panel. Uh, it sounds we like... You need the actual fence. It's the actual fence. Back. Oh, I see. Yeah, all right. Yeah, gotcha. And there is a lattice. I did start, actually, with wires, but the thing got so big and so heavy. It's a big yeah. one, yeah. Actually sort of bending them, so I, I actually have to cut it back two or three times during the summer. Oh, well, this is going to be so rejuvenating. You're going to be happy that this happened. Yeah. So, good for you. Thanks for calling. Thank you very much. And that was a good suggestion, Sean. I like that. Thank you. Um, all right. Oops, whoops, whoops. I was just bringing up a nice image of that. So, now we'll just go back and see who's on the line. And I believe our next caller is Eva, who is calling from Toronto. Good morning, Eva. Good morning. Good, good morning. morning. Thank you for taking my call. I, um, I have a very relatively small Japanese maple with those uh, weeping stems mm -hmm. and they're all over the ground at this point and are covering other other plants. Mm -hmm. uh, I obviously didn't realize how, how well it would do where, where I put it. When and how much can I prune? Spring pruning promotes vigor, fall pruning, pruning retards vigor. Uh, I would I would do well. I mean, probably I'll, both. <laughs> to be yeah, to to be honest, I was out pruning stuff last weekend in my garden. Um, oh, but really? I, I would say wait till mid March okay. uh, or okay. early April. Um, I I didn't. You know, I was I was I'm anxious about it because mm -hmm. it's it's really sort of the centerpiece of of the front uh, my front bed. Mostly with weeping things, people are too afraid to yeah. prune them, and really, you you want to thin them out so that you can see that beautiful weeping form. That's also going to let air flow through, and you're going to have fewer incidences of fungal uh, problems. Yeah, well, right. I mean, it's it's done extremely well. It was one of these bargain buys, mm -hmm. and it's been a delightful surprise. Just don't uh, don't leave stubs when you pruning take it right back to a side branch sort okay. of the knuckle that's there is where you want to prune the to bumps. and well, dead know, disease damaged interfering yeah, wood i was just going to say right off the bat early enough in the spring when the first flush of growth starts the buds are going to start to swell and japanese maples it's quite obvious what's dead and what's mm -hmm. alive because you've got <laughs> shiny bark versus gray mm -hmm. or yellow right, or black right, bark right. right away dead comes out disease damage and anything then interfering broken, crossing wood yep, anything that's uh, rubbing that's together choose yep, one cut out the, the other one. So right away, there, there's a bunch comes out right there. Mm -hmm. Then okay. you stand back and, and look at shape. Yeah, it was, it was a timing for me that was, uh, yeah. I just wanted to make yeah. sure that I didn't leave it too late. You yeah. generally don't want to prune anything when the leaves are coming out and when the leaves are falling off. You want to do it before the leaves yeah, start I th to come out. I think out. like right now, looking at it in its bare form, it gives me the best 
sure. chance of not making a mistake. No, it's okay. always easier now, for sure, when things are, you can see the frame so beautifully. Yeah. No, uh, thank, thank you very, you. very much. Thanks for your call. Okay. All right, we have to do one more short break, and then we're back. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, flocks, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Oh, Sean, we've got a first-time caller lined up here. Her name is Donna, calling from Niagara Falls. ding a ding a ding a ding a ding That's your garden wings. I didn't bring the bell. Frank's not here. <laughs> Good morning. Hello. How are you? I'm fine. Excellent. What's yeah, going on? Yeah, my first time listening, too. Oh. Well, then I, you didn't know. You didn't know that Frank is usually here, and he has a bell, and he rings it for first-time callers. Know, I, I, I've known Frank from... I don't know, some other TV shows, I guess. Mm. Anyway, my question is, I grow a lot, Mm -hmm. but only indoors because I live in an apartment. Mm -hmm. And you know what that's like? Yep. Hot, dry, and my my, um, crown of thorns is not doing so great. Oh. More plants, I've been told, die from overwatering than underwatering. The people like to put their plants on a schedule because we like being on a schedule. Yeah, yeah. It Sunday makes us is watering yeah. day. <laughs> um, uh, no, really, I only water it once a week, but too much. I don't know it. Well, a crown of thorns it can go for for two months, weeks, and months yeah. without water. Um, but really, what you want to do for your regular plants is stick your finger in the dirt, and if it's cool and moist, leave it alone. Mm-hmm. If it's warm and dry, that's when you want to give it a drink. Or get a oh, moisture yeah. meter. My yes, regular that's plants true. I have no problem with. I, I have about, a, I was growing 150 plants. Mm-hmm. Goodness, love them. Well, I grow after and clean air, too. I was going to say, you are probably got some moisture in your air from all those plants. <laughs> You've got some humidity happening. But you know what? Can, have you, you haven't done any fertilizing, I assume, throughout the winter? Oh, yeah, I they get a uh, they get a little bit a uh, tiny bit in the water every Water. Oh, okay. I'd cut back on that until March. Right. See, March um, is it when will, it's never it never stops to bloom though. I know. Crown of Thorns is great. It will bloom year it's round. Kind of, every every day. It's never been. It hasn't been outside since probably since I moved here. So probably the last time I was outside was mm. 2011. All right. No. Indoors. All right. Well, no worries on that. I think you, you know what you're doing. Obviously, you've got lots, lots of plants. But like Sean said, he's absolutely correct. When you think it's time to water that crown of thorns, wait another week. <laughs> and that way you'll have you know, less likely problems with it. And fertilizing all of our indoor plants starting in March is a good idea as the flush of growth responds yeah. to the longer days. Yes. Right? Thanks for that. All right. Let's see who else. We've got so many people lined up. We better talk to, looks like we've got Shirley on the line calling from Caesarea. I used to live there. What's going on, Shirley? Hi. Uh, I got information for you, Charlie, regarding Delphinians. Oh, yeah. Uh, they say the best strain to grow in Ontario is the British strain. Okay. And that woman, if she contacts Joe and Hazel Cook, Blossom Hill Nursery. Uh-huh. Uh, they specialize. They only grow delfs and peonies. Okay, very good. Blossom. And there's the Ontario Delphidian Club also. True, good point. Uh, uh, their number is 905-986-0310. Oh, excellent. Josephine, I hope you were listening to that. And, of course, Josephine's out your way in Pickering. So she's yeah. in a good position yeah, to... Yeah, she's about 45 minutes from here. Yeah, right? check well, out. Well, you know, you lived here. I know time. exactly where it is, right on Lake Scugog. Yeah. Uh, okay, 
Well, there you go. Thank you for that, Shirley. And I hope, I'm sure Josephine is still listening and she's picked yeah, up that information. The, apparently it's quite important that, that she gets hold of the uh, British uh, strain. All right. She gets hold of the Ophidian Club. Yep. I think they have sales in that. They always do. They get together with those hobby gardeners of any particular stripe, and they always have stuff going on. All right, still, we have, let's go to one more call, awesome. and then we're going to let Sean finish the show with something exciting that he's doing, because that's important that he shares that with us. Lou is on the line from King City. Good morning, Lou. Good morning, Charlie and Sean. Good morning. My question is, uh, I have a piece of land about a third of an acre to a half an acre. Mm -hmm. It's wet. It drains about... About four to six feet from okay. end to end. Okay. But uh, I like to know if I can grow anything that's more appealing. Than, oh, there's than all sorts of wonderful there. plants that you can grow there. There's sparkleberry, which is a deciduous holly. Of course, the willows and the dogwoods. There's blue flag iris and cardinal flowers and great blue lobelia, which is the blue version of a cardinal flower. Uh, Turtlehead is a wonderful flower to plant and lovely native. Um, anything that has swamp or marsh in the name like uh, marsh the more, and marsh milkweed, yep. uh, swamp yep. milkweed, the yep. more of that we plant, the better for the monarchs. There's yep. all sorts of beautiful plants that love growing in conditions like that. Yeah, so wood, elderberry loves the moisture. Uh, yeah, and, and not, not in the water, but yeah, it, yeah. It, uh, near near the water's edge, that's a good plant, as is uh, spice bush, which is great. Oh, I love that one um, too. Yeah, so that that's a that's a pretty good beginnings of a list for you. Also, there's a fireworks goldenrod and sneezeweed that are good. That's great. Where it dries out, yeah. Perfect. Thank you for that, Lou. And you know what? If Lou, if you just talk too fast and Lou wants more information, he can get a hold of you at? Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, uh, well, he could e find us at www.fernridgelandscaping.com. Mm -hmm. You can reach us through that um, and or on Twitter or on Facebook. We're, we're readily available for questions there, too. Yeah, love because, questions. Yeah, you love questions. And you specialize in a design that's friendly to the environment mm -hmm. and is sustainable. Yeah, everything from that. edible to rain gardens to... To, uh, to native plantings, pollinator habitat, biodiversity. And you've done some garden design and installation right across Canada. I have, actually, yeah. We've, we've worked in um, um, down in Nova Scotia quite a bit, and we actually did a landscape down in California this uh, past oh, fall you just, just for cool. a friend. It was really neat. Too Critically cool endangered species. All right. Well, thanks so much for coming in, Sean. It's Thank been a you. pleasure. And next week, I hope to have somebody here from Stoke Seeds, actually, which is one of the sponsors of the show. Super cool. So that should be fun. We'll have learn more and more about starting seeds and what's new in the seed business because, man, that's a big business. And um, my, my special thanks to you again. Thank you, Sebastian, for all your help. Couldn't do it without you. And, of course, couldn't do any of it without our great callers. <laughs> See you again next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads. Idea City on the air and The Garden Show.